we're nothing without the heavenly dove in the service. We were blessed in the presence of the Lord this morning. If you were here, then you know. We're honored tonight again to have Pastor Ross Kibido with us. I believe there's a fresh word from heaven tonight. We've heard from God today. Now, I've debated on the next few sentences for about a half an hour now, but I'm going to go ahead and say it for whatever reason. See, I don't take things too seriously. You know, out there, I'll goof off with you, laugh, have a good time, aggravate my wife, all of those things. Well, that's because she's mean. But, and I have to do everything I can to keep up. But I'm serious about the things of God, the Word of God, the presence of God, and what we even say here. What we say here ought to mean something. So I don't say it flippantly, really debated on saying it, but I can't stop, so it'll be all right. And it's just this, it's real simple. Ross Kibodeau, you're you. God has raised you up to be a national and international voice, a voice to the world. You need to know that. Not just in a spot in Pennsylvania for a little bit, but he's ordained your whole life, all your life, from day one, before you were knit together in your mother's womb. He appointed you like Jeremiah. For now, for this time, and he's going to use you to touch the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't pass out things that I don't believe I've heard. I believe I've heard from God on that. And it's our pleasure and our honor tonight to have you in my church. Come and share with the people. Welcome tonight, Pastor Ross Kibodeau. Praise God. Worship team, thank you guys so much once again for leading us into the presence of God. Wow, what an incredible honor it is to be in this house. I, um, I really am so grateful. You know, I, I know a lot of times whenever pastors and churches, when they bring guest speakers in, the intention is that you know, the guest speaker is going to come and, and prayerfully be used by God to, to be a blessing and an encouragement to what God is doing in that church. And I, I do pray that God has done and is doing that through us. But can I tell you that uh, you guys have been a great blessing and encouragement to me. Um, just the atmosphere in this place of faith and expectancy, it so, so stirs my heart. Um, and I thank God that in a generation where we're seeing so much departure um, from God, from His Word, from the things of God, that there's still people um, in our country and in our world that, that want God in, in all of His fullness, that, that want His power, they, they want His truth, um, regardless of whether or not that truth at times rubs us the wrong way, 
Um, either way, we want it. We want God to speak to us. And, and I just thank God that you are a church like that. And, and what a privilege it is to be able to fellowship with you. And I, I do just want to express my gratitude for every one of you. And I know that, um, you know, oftentimes the, the church is, they're simply a reflection of their leadership. And uh, I just thank God for the leadership of this house, starting with pastors J.R. and Heather and uh, all of the rest of the leaders. Can we just thank God for the leaders of this house? Amen. We just honor you guys and just thank you for what you're allowing God to do um, in this place. It really is such a blessing. If you have your Bibles, um, turn with me to the Gospel of Mark, chapter number 4. The Gospel of Mark, chapter number 4. And I know preachers sometimes say this, um, but honestly, I, I was intending to preach something else tonight all afternoon and evening. And just as the Spirit of God was moving over the past 15 or 20 minutes, I, I just felt God begin to put something different in my heart. And, you know, I told, someone sometime, I told someone one time, I said, you know, I think God does that for one of two reasons. Um, I think, first of all, He either does it um, because, you know, we're, we're, He allows it because we're just not really listening in the first place. Or secondly, He just does it to keep us on our toes, right? To just keep us faithful and, and dependent upon Him. And so, either way, um, I, I do feel as though God has put a thought in my heart for you, and I'm, I'm so excited to be able to share it with you. But uh, as your pastor said this morning, um, I do serve at Summit International School of Ministry. It's the Bible School of Times Square Church in, in New York City. Um, the school was founded in 90, 1994 by Pastor David Wilkerson, a man of God that many of you are very, very familiar with. Um, it's now led by Dr. Teresa Conlon, who is the wife of Pastor Carter Conlon, who is now the general overseer of Times Square Church in New York City. And, um, you know, there's, there's many things I can say about Summit International School of Ministry, um, having the opportunity to have been there for almost three years now. But at the end of the day, all I can say to you is that God is moving. Um, what I see at Summit International School of Ministry is hope for our generation. It's hope for our future. Uh, because young people, just like the young people here, are, are being raised up to love truth and to walk in the power of God's Holy Spirit. And um, we have about 100 or so students, about half of those being international, um, that are at Summit right now. And I'm telling you, they are on fire for God. Um, this, this year, I've, I've had the privilege of teaching both Old Testament and New Testament survey, Old Testament in the fall and New Testament in the spring. And so I've had the opportunity to walk with our freshman class through the entirety of the Bible. Um, and can I tell you, they love the Word of God. They love the Word of God. Even when the Word of God convicts them and confronts them, um, I've watched as they have melted under the truth of God and they've yielded their lives to it no matter what it costs them. Um, and I've seen God move in and through the lives of these young people in absolutely spectacular ways. And so I am just so thankful to be a part of what God is doing there. Um, if there is a young person that you know who may be interested in Bible school, and I know we're not the only option, but um, if there's a young person who may be interested, uh, our website is summitpa.org, summitpa.org. 
org, and uh, they can check check it out there and find any information that they need there. And uh, I truly believe it would be a blessing for any young person that you know. Uh, and then also, uh, something that's happening this week that's very important. Um, Summit, the entirety of our school, our student body, our staff, um, we have actually been invited to Yale University um, on Wednesday night to host um, our worldwide prayer meeting, the Times Square Church worldwide prayer meeting from that campus. And so this Wednesday night, we are going to be at Yale University, which is one of the most secular, um, honestly, if I can just be frank with you, God-hating universities in our world right now. But there's a Christian union there at the school, a group of, not many, but a group of young people and a couple of staff members who are saying, you know what? We believe that God can step into this darkness and bring revival. We believe that God can step into this place and do something that only He can. And so they've invited us out to host the service there. Um, who knows what's going to happen? I'm sure there's going to be um, a lot of challenges in doing what God's asking us to do on Wednesday night. I'm, I'm sure there will be protests. I'm sure there will be people berating us, whatever the case. But uh, at the end of the day, we're going to lift up Jesus and we're going to believe for Jesus to come and do what only Jesus can do. Um, as your pastor was saying this morning, it's, it's just our, our belief too that as you lift Jesus up, He comes down and He does what only He can. And so would you please pray for us um, over the next day or two that God would just anoint us, um, especially Pastor Carter Conlon, who's going to be speaking uh, Wednesday night, that God would just give him a word from heaven. And uh, I know his heart is so stirred to just believe God um, for the young people in this generation. And uh, it's, it's actually amazing because if you look at Yale University's history, they were founded in 1701, and their original intention in finding this school was actually to help to educate and rear up ministers for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, and 1701, and so uh, a couple of hundred years later, and they're so far um, from where they started, but listen, nothing is too big, nothing is too hard for God. Um, and we're believing that this is just going to be a very pivotal moment in history uh, where God is going to begin to spark um, uh, the flame of revival in the hearts of young people. And I, I wish you could meet this, these young people from Yale that are a part of this Christian union. It's, it's amazing that surrounded by such darkness, professors that constantly berate their God and berate their faith, it's amazing to see how on fire these young people are for God. In the midst of such darkness and being so few of them, they're so hungry for the things of God, um, and they're just believing for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And so please just be praying with us if you can that God would begin to move. I, I want to speak to you tonight from a thought um, that I'm going to entitle A Heavenly Perspective on Earthly Problems. A heavenly perspective on earthly problems. You might say, well, Pastor Ross, you talked a lot about problems and difficulties in the service this morning, but I know that when the Holy Spirit puts His finger, or I'm beginning to learn, that when the Holy Spirit puts His finger on something, uh, not to, to let up, just to continue in that vein, continue in that thought, and, and just ask for God to speak to us in the ways that He desires. And so I, I do believe as though God... Uh, is intending to speak to us tonight, and I just pray that your hearts 
uh, would be open to what he wants to say. Mark chapter 4, and we're really going to deal with the information in the latter portion of Mark 4 and almost the entirety um, of Mark chapter 5. But uh, just to bring us up to speed or to, to get us started, I'm going to begin in Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. Mark chapter 4, verse 35, And the same day when the evening was come, Jesus said unto his disciples, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship, and there were also other ships with them. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And when he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow, they awoke him and said unto him, Master, do you not care that we perish? And Jesus arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And Jesus said unto them, Why are you so fearful? Or why were you faithless? How is it that you have no faith. And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the seas obey Him? A heavenly perspective on earthly problems. Father, I thank You with all of my heart God, for this opportunity to stand before these Your people one more time. Father, I thank You for the anointing of Your Holy Spirit that we have sensed, that we have felt throughout the entirety of this day. Father, I'm asking that You would continue to speak to us from Your heart and from Your mind. God, so often You have a perspective on the situations that we face that we do not have. God, You have a perspective that is far beyond what we can see or observe in the natural. And Father, I pray that You would help us to begin to see the things that we are facing, not only individually, but even in our generation. That we would begin to see those things from heaven's perspective as You see them, God. Father, would You give us the ability tonight by Your Holy Spirit to see, to hear, and to receive everything that's in your heart for us. And God, when it's all said and done, as we do now, we'll be sure to give you the praise, the honor, and the glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Though being one of the synoptic Gospels, Mark's Gospel is unique in its presentation of Jesus and His mission in a couple of ways. The first way in which His presentation of Jesus is unique is that unlike the others, the Gospel of Mark is quick-paced and dramatic. It's uncommon for Mark to belabor or exhaust his points. He is quickly moving from one scene to the next. A distinctive word in the Gospel of Mark is actually the word straightway or immediately. It's a word that appears more times in the Gospel of Mark than the rest of the New Testament combined. And the idea is that Jesus does this and then immediately moves on to do that. The perspective that Mark is trying to give you and I as he's writing this gospel account of Jesus' life and ministry, 
The perspective that he's trying to give us is that Jesus is on a very important mission. And there is nothing worldly or otherworldly that is going to distract or deter him from this mission that he's on. A second way in which the Gospel of Mark is unique is that it focuses more on Jesus' actions than his teachings. And so Mark wants us to see that not only is Jesus moving quickly, but Jesus is moving with intentionality. And Jesus is moving quickly or swiftly to intentionally confront as much darkness and depravity in the world as He possibly can. Now, whenever we speak of darkness um, concerning that thing or that evil that Jesus is constantly challenging and combating in His ministry, when we speak of darkness, we're, we're speaking of that evil that has encroached upon God's holy creation in an attempt to defile, disfigure, and ultimately destroy it. it it's, it's a power of evil. It's a darkness that has pervaded every generation from the time of the fall even until now. It's, it's a darkness, it's a power, it's an evil in the world that has negatively affected every people in every generation. And the fruit of, of which we see all around us in our world. It's a force, this darkness, this evil, it's a, a force in the world that really, until the time of Jesus, was largely unchallenged or uncontested. It was a force in the world corrupting the nature of man, corrupting the thoughts of man, corrupting even the inner parts of man that really went unchallenged and uncontested until the time of Jesus. One commentator said that Jesus' presence on earth introduced a power within the terrestrial realm that was both radically opposed to and stronger than the demonic. That, that Jesus' power in the world introduced a force that was actually able to begin to combat and ultimately overwhelm this power in the world that for generations, for centuries, had overwhelmed the minds, the hearts, and even the will of men. And so what we see in the Gospel of Mark is that Jesus is a man who is moving quickly and intentionally to display His displeasure with and His divine power over this darkness. Now, Mark's audience, probably Roman Gentiles, they would have been very familiar with powerful and authoritarian figures. They would have been very familiar with war generals and pompous politicians and people who had an ability to uh, abuse and misuse people in their generation for their own welfare and for their own benefit. But what Mark wants his audience to see is that Jesus possesses a power and an authority unlike any man, any person that they've ever seen, known, or heard of. This man, Jesus, has power not just to persuade people like pompous politicians. This man Jesus has power not just to push people around like pretentious leaders. 
This man Jesus has power not just to plunder enemies of their goods like powerful war generals. No, this man Jesus has power over the cosmos. The cosmos is the entire world and everything in it. Jesus doesn't have power just like politicians or war generals. Jesus has power over the entirety of the universe and everything in it. Now Jesus ultimately displays the, the zenith of this power at the cross where He finally and fully puts an end to sin and Satan and suffering. But before we get to the cross in Mark's story, before we get there where Mark sees Jesus finally and fully defeating sin and Satan, there are these little encounters throughout the Gospel of Mark that help us to see the power and the potential that Jesus' presence brings into our world even in our generation. In Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 35, through Mark chapter 5 and verse 43, in just this chapter and a half alone, what we see is that Jesus displays His power over every sphere of the created order. I don't want you to miss this. There's four instances in just a chapter and a half where Jesus displays His power over every sphere of the created order. In Matthew, in Mark, excuse me, in Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41, Jesus displays his power over the forces of nature by calming a storm. In Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20, he displays his power over the spiritual and demonic realm by delivering a demoniac from perhaps thousands of possessive spirits. In Mark chapter 5, verses 21 through 34, he displays his power over human illness and disease by healing a woman who had been afflicted with an infirmity for over 12 years. And then at the very end of Mark chapter 5, verses 35 through 43, Jesus displays his power even over death itself by raising a little girl from the dead. Now, these stories are powerful because these stories serve as testimonies of the fact that the presence of Jesus makes it possible for mankind to experience deliverance from darkness in its most serious and severest forms. These stories are potent. They are powerful even to us in our generation because they say to us that there is hope for even the most depraved and deprived among us. That there is no one uh, at any point or status in society that is beyond the reach of Jesus' miraculous power and ability. That even if you're just experiencing a storm or if you've actually died because of your illness, that you are not beyond the reach of Jesus' miraculous power and of His authority. 
These stories, every one of them, they serve as incredible encouragements for you and I that there is no one too far gone that Jesus cannot reach. But what I also think is imperative for us to see in every one of these stories is that there is a vital reoccurring ingredient in every one of these stories that makes the testimonies of Jesus' power possible. And the vital reoccurring ingredient found in every one of these testimonies is problems. I want you to think of this. If there is no problem, there is no opportunity for Jesus to exercise His power, thereby revealing to us who He is and what He is able to do. Without a storm, there is no display of power over nature. Without a demoniac, there is no display of power over the spiritual and demonic realm. Without sickness, there is no display of power over illness. And without death, there is no display of resurrection power. You see, like the disciples, we often see problematic situations as roadblocks or hindrances in our following of Jesus. Remember what the disciples said as we just read in Mark chapter 4 and verse 38? The storm comes and their first response is not, hey Jesus, help us. It's, Jesus, don't you care that we're perishing? And that's us. Much like the disciples, whenever we encounter problematic situations and circumstances, our first response is to begin to see them as roadblocks or hindrances in our pursuit of Jesus. But what if problems are not hindrances or roadblocks after all? What if problems are actually stepping stones in our pursuit of getting to know Jesus in more real and revelatory ways? You see, without Jesus, problems are exactly that. Problems. You don't need a doctoral degree to know that. Without Jesus, problems are exactly that. They're problems. But with Jesus, I believe that problems actually become opportunities. They become opportunities for God to show Himself to us and through us in ways that we've previously not known Him before. Think of it. If there was no Mark 4.37 and a great windstorm arose, so that the waves were beating in the ship and the boat was filling up with water. If there was no Mark 4.37, there would be no Mark, Mark 4.41. Who then is this? That even the winds and the seas obey Him. If there was no storm, there's no realization that this guy literally has power over nature itself. 
You see, beloved, the problem actually moved them from concept to experience. It moved them from conjecture to reality. Before the storm, they and the world had a concept of Jesus. This is what we've heard and we've supposed to be true about the Messiah. This is what people always told us that Messiah would be like according to the Old Testament. This is how people always perceived the Messiah would be whenever He walked among us in the flesh. But after going through the storm and watching as Jesus displayed His power over nature, they no longer just had a concept of Jesus, they had an experience of Jesus. They're no longer saying, this is what I think to be true. They are saying from experience, this is what I know to be true. This is what I know because I have experienced it. You see, Jesus was fully aware of the storm that they were going to encounter in Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. But does Jesus just avoid the Sea of Galilee because a storm is brewing? No. Because Jesus knows that taking them through the storm is going to provide them with an opportunity to know Him in ways unlike they've ever known Him before. It was Leonard Ravenhill who once said that a man with an experience of God is never at the mercy of a man with an argument about God. That a man who knows God experientially is never at the mercy of a man who has an argument about God. You see, we often see problems like the disciples do. We see them as problems. But I'm becoming convinced that Jesus sees our problems as opportunities. Opportunities for us and the world around us to come to know Him in more real and revelatory ways. Beloved, problems do not stop Jesus from doing what He wants to do. You need to hear that right there. Problems have never and they will never stop Jesus from doing the things that He wants to do in the world. As a matter of fact, problems serve as opportunities for Jesus to put His Godness on display in and through our lives. Come on, somebody talk to me right there on a Sunday evening. Problems have never prevented Him from doing the things that He wants to do. But problems have always served as opportunities for Him to put His Godness on display in and through our lives. What we see, beloved, in all of these situations is that Jesus is neither afraid of nor is He overwhelmed by darkness and dysfunction like we are. Those things, dark, desperate, even despairing situations, they actually create the conditions necessary for Jesus to do some of His greatest and most powerful works in the world. So what of the darkness 
of our generation. So what of the darkness of our world? You know, I hear more Christians in my in the opportunity that I have to fellowship with people, unfortunately, I hear more Christians talking about what's wrong in the world rather than talking about what God could actually do in the world. More people talking about all of the negatives and, and woe is me and man, things are messed up rather than saying, hey, even though things are messed up, I believe that God can intervene and that God can do something spectacular by means of the Holy Spirit. I believe that God could step into our darkened world and begin to do something that only He can in our generation again. And so what of the darkness of our generation? So what of the darkness of our world? I say that the darkness of our generation is perhaps the greatest opportunity that history has ever known for God to step into the world and to begin to do what only He can by the power of His Holy Spirit. You look at that first century church. That first century church was laden with hardships and difficulties and problems. But the testimony of that church was that they turned the world upside down by the power and by the Spirit of God. Darkness and suffering and opposition didn't stop God from showing Himself in power in that early generation. And can I tell you that darkness and depravity is not going to stop Him in this generation. God is going to be glorified one more time in our generation. There's a belief, there's a convincing in my heart that God is not done with us in this generation. That we've not seen the final Amen of God just yet. That as it gets darker, the light of Jesus through His church is only going to get brighter. That as things get worse, God is going to step into the world by the power of His Holy Spirit and we're going to see a move of God in our generation unlike we've ever dreamed or thought possible. I'm not scared of the darkness of our generation because my God is not scared of the darkness of our generation. He's not afraid of it. He's not taken aback by what's happening in our world. And if He's not afraid of it, and if He's not caught off guard by it, then beloved, we don't have to be. We don't have to be afraid about what's transpiring in our world. I know it's scary. Sometimes I look at my little girls and I think, my God, what kind of a world are they going to have to grow up in? What's going to be said about them? What kind of opposition are they going to have to face? But then my mind is brought back to the reality that God has been faithful to keep His church up to this point and He's going to be faithful to keep us and use us no matter what comes our way. No matter what comes. And so to bring it down to us personally, what of a past that is stained by failure? What of a past that is stained by sin? You think it's too big for God, but I say it's opportunity for God to show up and to show Himself in power. What of present struggles and insecurities? 
What of present situations that you can't seem to get out of or break free of? What of present struggles and temptations? I say opportunity. What of an uncertain future? What of a mind that says, I don't know what my future is going to look like. I don't know where I'm going. I, I don't know where this thing is headed. I say opportunity. Stained past, present struggles, uncertain futures, they've never stopped God from moving through the lives of His people in time past, and they will not stop Him in our generation. They're not just problems, beloved. You've labeled them as problems, but God looks at them and He says, these are opportunities. They're opportunities for me to show up and to show myself in and through your life in ways that you never thought possible. And what's so encouraging to me as I walk with Jesus is that God, in His grace, is even willing to turn problems of our own making, not just things that have happened to us, but He's willing, when we turn our hearts to Him, to even turn problems of our own making into opportunities for us and others to know His saving grace and His saving power. Think of the demoniac for a moment. Commentators will say that the demoniac was this way either because of what he had done to himself, an ungodly lifestyle, paganism, idol worship, had opened him up to this kind of bondage and possession that he was experiencing. Or secondly, they will say that it's what others had done to him. The way that his parents had brought him up. The way that people perhaps had forsaken him and forgotten about him because of struggles and problems in his life. But either way, whether it was because of his own making or because of what others had done to him, Jesus said, guys, we're getting in the boat and we're crossing the sea to get to this man who has absolutely no hope. A man who people say has no hope for his present or for his future. A man who people have given up on because the problems are so big. Jesus said, we're going to this man. We're going to step into a dark place and we're going to watch as God reveals His power in this man's life. We cannot get so discouraged by the darkness that is pervading our generation that we begin to forget who we're with and who's with us. We can't forget that although we are, and it's true, being tossed frontward and backward, left to right by the storms of our generation. We cannot forget that although He may be silent at times, Jesus is in our boat. Jesus is with us. I'm not saying that we ignore the problems of our generation. No, we, we, we address them, we face them head on, but we don't do so in a faithless fashion. We do so with faith in our hearts, saying that I don't know why things are the way they are, but I believe with my heart that Jesus can overcome it. 
We do it with an attitude, understanding that Jesus doesn't avoid dysfunction and darkness and depravity. As dark as it may be, Jesus is not afraid to descend into it and to disrupt the dysfunction of our world. John said it this way in 1 John 3 and 8, For this reason was the Son of God manifest, that He might destroy the works of the devil. He's not afraid of your dysfunction. He's not afraid of your darkness or your depravity. No, He delights in stepping in to dark places and dark situations and doing God things. Perspective is everything. And if we don't have this kind of a perspective for the coming days, because it's, it's, it's something in my heart that I can't get away from, and I don't say this to scare anyone, but I, I just believe that as we get closer to the coming of the Lord, the darkness of our generation is only going to increase. I don't know what our world is going to look like 10, 15, 20 years from now. If we continue on the trajectory that we're on, our country will not look like the same place as it does now. It already doesn't look right now what it looked like 10, 15, 20 years ago because we're on this downward spiral. But it's not something that God is surprised by. Paul actually says that as we get closer to the coming of the Lord, darkness is only going to increase. It's going to abound. The love of many is going to wax cold. And so there's coming an hour, beloved, when I believe darkness is only going to increase and we have to have the perspective that despite what's going on around us, God is not moved, God is not absent, and God is able to step into the darkness of our world, and He's able to do miraculous things. I don't know about you, but I don't want to live a miserable, cynical, faithless life. I don't. I want to live by faith. I want to live expectant and anticipatory in every season and circumstance of my life. And I'm not saying to you that Jesus is just going to deliver us from trouble immediately every time it comes. But what I am saying is that even when Jesus is not delivering us from it, He's delivering us from the enemy's intentions in it. Isaiah 54.17 says it like this, No weapon that is formed against you shall be able to prosper. He never promised that the weapon would not be formed, but He did promise that the weapon would not succeed in completing or accomplishing its desired purpose and intention in your life. We can't determine or decide how or when Jesus will display His power, but we can trust that He will. And that's the side that I want to be on moving in to our future. God forbid that I fall on the side of faithlessness. God forbid that for whatever reason, because of the darkness of my life or my generation that I fail to believe that God can step in and intervene. God forbid that it be said of me, that my children would say of me, well, He started well, but 
man, he didn't finish well. God forbid it be said of me or my family that they started in faith, but discouragement came and hardship came and they didn't maintain their faith and their hope in God. God forbid I get to heaven one day and Jesus look at me and say, Ross, there was so much more that I could have and would have done through your life, but you just would not believe me. You would not trust me. God forbid that as I walk through darkness, I don't believe that Jesus can use my life to glorify Him in the midst of it. Sometimes it's not Jesus delivering us from, but it's Jesus bringing us through. Here's the beautiful thing. Jesus doesn't display His power so that they could avoid the storm. He allows them to go through the storm and then displays His power so that they have a testimony of His grace and of His power. Here's the thing. Whether Jesus keeps us from the storm or Jesus shows up in the midst of our storm, either way, the testimony is this. Darkness, you don't have the final word. You don't have the final say-so over my life. There's nothing that you can do. Hell to prevent me from knowing God in the way that He wants me to know Him. Worship team, would you guys mind coming as we prepare to close? And if you don't mind, if we can just sing that song through it all one more time as we close tonight. You know, I shared with you briefly this morning about my wife and I's testimony about how God has worked such an incredible miracle in her life by raising her literally out of a wheelchair. But you know, before we got to that point, God gave us a testimony that I believe is just as powerful as Him actually raising her from the wheelchair. You know, for the first year and a half, I watched as my wife suffered with deep depression because of what she was going through. I can remember being at the church office and coming home for lunch break or coming home at the end of the day and, um, and watching her as she sat sometimes in her closet just weeping and crying because she was so discouraged. And, you know, I remember her telling me that, you know, I, I don't think I can be used by God in the way that I always thought I would be used by Him. I wanted to be a mom. I wanted to be a wife. And, and I feel like the opportunity to do that has been totally stripped from me. How can God be glorified in the middle of this kind of a mess? But at the beginning of 2020, I watched as my wife began to press into God in a way like I had never seen her press into Him before. And I watched over the course of a few weeks as little by little, God began to break off this discouragement and despair from her life. She was still in the wheelchair physically, but spiritually, she wasn't in the wheelchair anymore. Physically, her physical body was in that wheelchair. But spiritually, I watched as she began to believe that no physical limitation, no amount of darkness, no disability, can keep me from being the person that God has called me to be. 
She began to believe that the wheelchair was not a curse after all. That perhaps God was actually using this dark moment in her life to produce a testimony in her and through her that could not be produced any other way. And I watched as, although she wasn't delivered physically, she began to be delivered spiritually. And from that wheelchair, she began to believe that God could use her life to make a difference. And I watched through those couple of months as she ran the devil out of our house, wheelchair and all. I remember walking into the room and she would be weeping and praying and crying out to God and she would be telling the devil, devil, you're not going to have my kids. Devil, you're not going to have my family. I know it's dark. I know it's despairing right now, but it's not too big for my God. It's not too dark for God to step in and to do what only He can do. And myself and my children watched as she knew the victory of God right in the middle of her storm. And can I say to you that my children had the opportunity to move from concept to experience. And to them today, Jesus is more than just a Sunday school story. They've seen Jesus move in power. Because our problem, as painful as it sometimes was, became an opportunity for Jesus to reveal His strength and His power to us in ways unlike we had ever known before. Sometimes the testimony is that Jesus delivers you from it. Sometimes the testimony is that Jesus is with you in it. But either way, beloved, with Jesus, we cannot lose. We cannot lose. We cannot lose. God is on our side. Jesus is in our boat. And I pray in the coming days, your heart would remain convinced that no matter the darkness, no matter the depravity, it is not too much for God. Perhaps, perhaps, the problems of our generation are actually God setting us up for the greatest display of His power that our generation has ever seen Perhaps what we've labeled as demonic setbacks are actually divine setups. It's God setting us up to see His power displayed in and through our lives in ways like we've barely dreamed or thought possible. Now unto Him, who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power of Jesus that is at work within us. To Him be glory forever and ever through the church. Amen. Father, I thank You with all of my heart, that although darkness and depravity 
is seemingly pervading this generation. I thank you, God, that you have not been caught off guard by it. And God, neither are you discouraged by it. God, I believe that right in the midst of it, you're going to raise up your church. You're going to raise up a people who believe that you are still God. A people who believe that you can still do God things. Father, I thank you that all around this nation and around our world, little groups of people are being raised up to say, although it's dark, although it's desperate, although it's dysfunctional, these things have never hindered God in times past, and they're not going to hinder Him in this generation. We are determined to believe that God is not done with His people just yet. We are determined to begin to see the problems of our generation as opportunities for Jesus to begin to display His power once again. Our children are going to have an opportunity to be moved from concept to experience, from conjecture to reality. Our grandchildren are going to have an opportunity not just to know about Jesus, but to know Him in power and in experience. My God, I pray that every young person in this house tonight, God, that they would have the opportunity to know Your power in ways unlike they've ever known before. God, that in the coming days there would be families in this church that would watch you step into their darkness and step into their dysfunction. And they would watch as you begin to do what only you can do. God, I thank you that from the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapter 1, God, when the earth was without form and void and darkness covered the face of the deep, the Spirit of God was moving across the face of the waters. In this dark, dysfunctional place, God, you were hovering and you were moving. And out of nowhere, out of darkness and emptiness and dysfunction, you began to bring light and life. In seven days, my God, you created the world as we know it. You took it from darkness and you brought light. You took it from death and you brought life. And my God, we want you to do the same thing in our generation, my God. God, in our families, in our homes, in our communities, my God, move by your Holy Spirit once again. God Almighty, stir our hearts to believe that you are not done with your people in this generation. God Almighty, I plead with you, stir our hearts to believe that you are able to step into the darkness of our generation and you are able to prove yourself as God one more time. God Almighty, let us see your power. Let us see the potential of your presence in our homes, in our churches, in our communities. My God, would you stir our hearts to believe you once again. God, for the sake of our children, for the sake of those who will come after us. God, let it not be said that there arose a generation after us who didn't know the Lord or his marvelous works. Let it be said of this generation that they had every opportunity to know your power and your glory. Oh God, oh God, stir us by your Holy Spirit.
God forbid that we find ourselves in faithlessness and despair in this hour. Oh God, fill our hearts with faith and courage. Fill our hearts with faith and courage, God. To believe that you're able to do the things that you've always done. And not that you're just able to do them, but that you're willing to do them again in our generation. God, may the story of my wife give someone in this house the courage and the confidence to believe that you are not done with this generation. That you are still at work in powerful, miraculous ways. You are still giving our world abundant evidence of the reality of Jesus and His power in the earth. Oh God, fill our hearts with faith tonight. Would you stand with me all over the house of God? I'm sorry for keeping you a few minutes long, but you know, David said in Psalm 27, and this was a verse that was so dear to me, and my wife whenever we were traveling through our season of darkness. David said in Psalm 27, I would have fainted lest I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I would have fainted. I would have given up if there was not this faith in my heart to believe that Although I was surrounded by difficulty, God was not done with me. God was not through with me. He talks about his own experience, and then in the very next verse, the last verse of Psalm 27, he says to us, talks about his own experience, and then he preaches to us, and he says, hey guys, be of good courage. Wait on the Lord, and he's going to show up and He's going to strengthen your heart. You know, when David talks about waiting on God, he's, he's not talking about just sitting around and like, yo, I'm just going to wait and see what happens. No, the word wait there, it, it means to be anticipate. It means to be expectant. It means to wait with the hope that God is not going to leave you this way forever. It means to wait with the hope that at some point God is going to step in. He's going to intervene and He's going to do what only He can. It means to wait with a faith-filled expectancy. Beloved, I say to you as David did, I would have fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And now I can say to you, Wait on the Lord. Expect of God. Anticipate His miraculous and powerful workings in your life. Be of good courage and watch how He's going to show up and strengthen your heart.